God is faithful today, and he will be tomorrow. So whatever the news tells you is happening, whatever your life circumstance, when people are sick and are dying, we can still cling to this promise. God has blessed us, and he's kept us, and his favor is upon us, and he looks upon us with, uh, with favor and grace, and he gives us his peace. We are blessed. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. As mentioned, I am the pastor here. My name is Adam. Even without the beard, thank you for loving me. Uh, For those of you who have little kids or perhaps are nursing moms or have kids that get really hungry really quickly, what wasn't mentioned earlier is if you need and would like, there is a mother's room just through this door. You're welcome to go and have some privacy if you feel more comfortable in that setting or if your kid feels more comfortable in that setting. Otherwise, you're more than welcome in here no matter how your kid's behaving, okay? Uh, When we say come as you are, that means children too. So feel free if your kid's noisy, it's okay. Um, Today, as we get started, or as we finish this sermon series of unmaking, we're going to start in a place that I think is really uncomfortable, because we're really too comfortable with it. We live in a culture that loves to curse other people. Like, let's, let's be honest, if somebody else holds an opinion that I don't agree with, clearly they're wrong, and it's because they're an idiot, Right? I mean, that's the culture we live in. We have this attitude that wants to look for all the people around us that are either wrong or they're the problem, and we want to speak ill of others and not stop to look at who God made them to be. We find ourselves cursing people when they cut us off in traffic, and sometimes we give them a a very friendly one-fingered wave, and sometimes we say things we later wish we hadn't said because our kids repeat them, and sometimes we curse people not to their faces but behind their backs when we talk ill of them, and we gossip, and we slander, and we tear them down. We live in a culture that loves, loves to curse others. And here in the South, we live in a culture that loves to curse others in the kindest of ways. Oh, bless your heart. And we really don't mean any sort of blessing. We really mean things we shouldn't say, and that's just not nice to say to their face. So instead, we curse them kindly and act like that's better. We have a culture that loves to curse others. And unfortunately, the church is just as guilty. In fact, Part of the unmaking that we need to do is there is a a reputation of Christians that they are known for being all sorts of hateful people, for being people who speak ill of others who they disagree with or perhaps speak ill of people who do things or live differently than perhaps how the Bible teaches us to live. And we have a culture that looks at you and me as the church and sees us as the problem. And I think part of why they see us as the problem is 
for much of history, we've been okay with being the problem. We've been really content to join in the culture of cursing others because, well, we're not like those people and if they would just get their act together or if they would stop believing the things they believe and we love to join in all of this speech that is hateful and harmful and simply not of God. And so as we begin to unmake these things we believe and these things we do in order to be remade into the image of God, you and I need to end this time by learning that we have to learn to speak blessing and not curses. And how we speak blessing comes not from our mouth, but from our heart. First, you and I have to learn to be blessed before we can bless others. See, in this culture that treats all this world as random and accidental, it says there's no specific order or way or thing that is good, but whatever feels right is good to you, then pursue it in this culture that we have embraced and adapted even inside the church. I think part of it comes from believing that because we are cursed, everybody else should be too. My life has been hard, so it's okay for your life to be hard. I didn't get those things growing up. Why should you? We have this attitude that says, why should others have what I myself haven't gotten? And we're not just guilty of accusing and cursing other people. We are prone to curse even ourselves. Well, this is just who I am, and I can't change that. And we look at the things about us and and we begin to speak ill of ourselves, maybe out loud, but maybe just in our mind. We believe truths that I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or I'll never change or there's no hope for me. This is just how it'll be. And we speak these things over ourselves that are condemning and derogatory and simply not true. To unmake all of that, we have to begin with an understanding, first and foremost, that you and I are blessed. To the core, that's who we are. Now, let me clarify, in this culture, we also use blessings to associate with material things. So if life is going really well, then I'm blessed. If God has given me all the food I want and the stuff I want and the things I want, then I am blessed. If everything is happy and wonderful, then I'm blessed, according to this world. And we often associate being blessed with having a good and wonderful life. In the ESV version of the Bible, the one that I use and that's in your pews, you'll note an interesting phenomenon. In the New Testament, the word to bless or blessing or blessed happens over 100 times. I think it's about 112 maybe. And in almost every context, if not every single one of them, it has nothing to do with our material possessions. It has nothing to do with whether we're hungry or full whether we have a nice house or no house, it has nothing to do with our stuff, but everything to do with who we are and who God says we are and who we've been made to be. So to look at what it means to be blessed before we can bless, let's start all the way in the beginning, Genesis chapter one. If you're familiar with this story, Genesis chapter one, God creates everything. And if, as he looks out on everything, as he looks at it, he says, this is good. Everything he's made is good. 
And then he makes mankind, humans, you and me, he makes us, and he says they're very good. And he continues in verse 28 of chapter one, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now let's just pause for a moment. How many of you grew up in a very Catholic or Lutheran or even evangelical context in which this verse meant you should have babies and have lots of babies? Anybody ever hear that idea? Well, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So if you're not having babies, what are you doing with your life? You're wasting your youth. You should have more children. Surely you've heard something of that nature before. We have this idea here that this is a command given by God. Be fruitful, multiply, do these things. But in, in Hebrew, it's actually not a command at all. There's a grammatical tense called the indicative tense, which indicates what is more so than what you must do. This language, be fruitful, is less of a command, go and do this thing, and more of a promise. You will be fruitful because you're blessed. God blessed them and said, you will be fruitful and fill the earth. And you will subdue it and have dominion over it. And the word used for dominion is used throughout the Old Testament to describe how God reigns and rules over his good creation, providing for everything that it needs. Now we often use dominion to say, I can do whatever I want, I can destroy, I can kill, it does not matter because it's all about my pleasure. But that's not what, was create, what we were created for. We were created to be blessed so that we will be fruitful and fill the earth. And we will join God with a purpose in caring for all of his creation, every bit of it. This is how we were created to be, one who is blessed by God. So what is that blessing to be blessed by? When we think of blessing, like I said, we often think of material things, right? This upcoming week, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, the American holiday in which we celebrate our blessings by indulging ourselves in as much food as we want all day long, as much pie as we want all day long. And when we're full and can't have any more, we undo our belt and have a little more, right? Because what says I'm blessed more than incredible gluttony and enjoying every bit of it? This week we're celebrating this holiday to remember all that God has given us. And oftentimes in our culture, we remember only for a brief moment so that we can look forward to what we still don't yet have. In fact, Black Friday follows uh, Thanksgiving specifically because we're a culture that can't even wait until the next day to have more. Because we say our blessings need to be stuff. But scripturally, blessings, this idea of being blessed by God, is actually having his favor. To be blessed by God is to have a God who is faithful and good, and specifically a God who is for you. We were made to be blessed, to have a God who is faithful and good and for you. But we often think we are cursed, that God is angry at us, or against us, 
or that God is only good to other people, but for us, he seems mean because we look at our life circumstance and he just doesn't ever seem to come through the way we want him to. We pray for healing for those who are sick and then they get worse. Or maybe yet we pray for healing and then they die and we say, God, where were you when I cried out in pain? And we think our blessings only come through good moments. But I think to be blessed in this world is to have a God who is faithful, especially in those bad moments. A God who is good, especially when things are hard and bad. A God who is for you when the whole world is against you. God blessed us. He promised us that he would always be with us that nothing will ever stand against us and succeed. He promised his goodness. And he said, as a result, you will be fruitful. In your life, things will go well. And when they don't go well, they will still grow in you good character and faith and hope that perseveres. You and I were created to be blessed. But, as you know how the story goes, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They rebelled and said, we want to do what you do. We want to be you instead of letting you be our God. We want to do this on our own. And all of creation was broken. And there is a curse that lingers over this world. A curse of sin and sorrow and sickness and death. And all that was once good is now broken. Not necessarily bad, but certainly not as it should be. And in this cursed world, God continues to bless us. He continues to be with us and faithful to us and good for us. He continues to be there in all things, even though in our brokenness we do not always see it and we certainly do not always understand it. In fact, if you read the story of Job, you'll know that Job suffers much. And God says, who are you to understand my ways? Who are you to know how I act? I will do what I do and trust me. I am for you and I am good. In this cursed and broken world, we are invited to be a blessing. In Numbers chapter six, the next place we're going to look, there is a blessing perhaps you've heard from me a hundred times, maybe more. In Numbers chapter 6, Moses has led the people out of slavery and delivered them from their captor. And they're there in the wilderness to encounter God and experience all of his goodness. And God gives them instructions for how they should be, for how they should live as his people. And he speaks to Moses about what Moses should speak over the priests and in turn the priests over the people. Numbers chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. If you're following along in the Blue Bibles, it's page 142. Here's what he says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will 
bless them. You've heard me say this blessing perhaps a hundred or more times. The Lord bless you and keep you. See, the reason we repeat that every single week here in this church, the reason I say that in weddings and at funerals and at bedsides as people are dying, the reason I say that over and over and over again, it's because we live in a world that wants to say the opposite. The Lord will not bless you because he does not care for you. The Lord will not be faithful. Look at how he's abandoned you to your pain and your problems and your mess. Really, is God that good? No, you need to do this yourself and fix your mess and pull yourself up. You can only count on you. This is what the world tells us over and over and over again. And you and I need to be reminded the Lord will bless you. He will be faithful to you. He will look upon you with favor, meaning when he looks at you, he does not see all of your sin and your brokenness. He doesn't see all of the mess you've created or the ways you've rebelled. He looks upon you and sees his son, his daughter, crying out, Daddy, help me. And he looks upon you and sees one whom he loves dearly. Moses was commanded to speak this blessing over the priests, and the priests were commanded to act on God's behalf, speaking that over the people over and over and over again. You are blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed by a God who will never forsake you, ever says this at the end, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I love that line. Shall put my name upon the people. If you've ever seen Toy Story, you know that names have great power. It's when when Andy's name is seen there on the bottom of Woody's foot that he remembers I belong to someone who loves me and cares for me. You have been given the name of our God. He has placed it upon you and claimed you as his own. He says, you are mine. And if God who created all things, who is all powerful and all knowing and in all places at all times, looks at you and says, you are mine. Who cares what others say? What do they have to say differently that he can't speak a greater and better word to? You are not cursed and God doesn't hate you. You aren't made to live a life of misery and sorrow. You are loved deeply by a God who calls you his own. So we're gonna flip forward to Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament on page 1216 if you're following along. Ephesians begins with perhaps the longest run-on sentence in the history of all sentences. If you've ever read the start of Ephesians, it's incredibly confusing because it is quite literally from verse three until verse 14 in Greek, one continual sentence. And only in English did we put some pauses in there because that's what we do. And one continual sentence is this blessing from God. Paul, he writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's unpack that a little bit. When we talk of blessing, there are three types of blessings in Scripture. There is a blessing from God to man where he speaks over us a truth that we may or may not know or may or may not yet have realized to be true. He speaks that, and because he's God, it is true, even if we don't yet feel it or experience it. And then in Scripture, there's another blessing in which we as men, as people, bless God. We give him praise and glory. We give gratitude to him for who he is and what he's done. And then the third blessing is where we as men bless others. And when I'm saying men, I mean men and women. We as mankind, as people, we bless other people. This is a prayer, God, do unto them as you do unto me. Give to them what you give to me. Be faithful to them as you are to me. This begins first with a blessing from man to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, may we give him all praise and all thanksgiving, all honor and glory. May we lay it all before him and say, God, this all comes from you. And ultimately, it's for you. May you be glorified. You who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. See, in the Old Testament, this promise that God would bless us also came with a little bit of a catch. See, throughout the Old Testament, repeatedly God warns the people, if you do not follow my way of living, if you don't walk in this good life I've created for you, bad things happen. And this isn't an angry God who wants his children to suffer. It's just the way things are. In the same way that for Ezra, my youngest, if he does not do what is good for him, bad things happen. When he climbs over the baby gate and falls and hits his head, that's because he climbed over the baby gate. It's not because I'm mad at him and I want him to get hurt, right? When bad things happen, it's often a result of going against the way God created things. And God, throughout the Old Testament, he warns the people, if you don't walk in my way, Bad things happen, not because I'm angry, but because my way is what is good, and this is what is good for you. And there's this challenge for the people that this physical or visible blessing from God could be lost when they don't honor God. This is why when the people of Israel rebel against him and worship other gods and do all kinds of heinous things, eventually their land gets conquered and they get scattered and spread through all kinds of pain and sorrow into all corners of the earth, not because God is mad at them, but because it just happens that when we don't walk with God, we experience pain and brokenness. 
But throughout the Old Testament, there's this requirement that to be blessed in an ongoing, continual sense, we have to continue in an ongoing sense to walk with God. Here in Ephesians, there's this promise. Blessed be God who has blessed us in Christ. See, it's not contingent upon what we do or what we still need to do or how we've screwed up or walked away. No, because of Jesus, you and I are already blessed. No matter where we are in our life, no matter what we've done or what we keep doing. We are already blessed fully with every spiritual blessing, every favor of God, all of his faithfulness, all of his goodness, all of his love, all of that has already been poured out, already been given. And it is yours. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. We try to complicate that and say, well, it's only mine if I do the right things, or it's only yours if you do the right thing. It's only yours if you stop sinning like this. But no, we have it in Christ. So we have been blessed even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. See, before we ever took a breath, before he ever made Adam and Eve, before the trees and the birds and the stars in the sky, before any of that, God chose you and me to be his, to be blessed. He chose us to be blameless. I don't have to look very deep into my life to see that rarely am I blameless. There's a lot in me that I wish wasn't there and sin that continues to rear its ugly head. But in Jesus, none of that defines us any longer. You are blessed and made holy and blameless regardless of how you mess up. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You were chosen to be his son, to be his daughter, to bear his name, to receive all of his goodness and his faithfulness and his favor and his love. You were chosen for that. But we often live as those who are cursed. We live as those who can go about this world cursing others because that's who we think we are. And it's only when we begin to shift our focus and see that we are blessed already. God is faithful and he is for us and his love endures forever. It's only then that when someone cuts us off in traffic, we can see he's faithful to that person too. And he loves that person as well. And when someone speaks ill of us, we don't need to defend ourselves because we have God who's already defended us. In Christ, he's already made us holy and blameless. And so when people speak ill of us, we can have peace and know the truth and speak kindly of those who speak ill of us. This is why Jesus said that we should pray for our enemies and bless those who curse us because we've already been blessed, so let's just share it. Throughout the whole story of scripture, there's this idea that when we've been blessed, God doesn't just give us a little measure and a tiny bit. He gives it to us in such great measure that it is overflowing with the purpose of flowing out from us to those around us. 
that others might look at us and know God is clearly faithful and good and loving. And I want to know that same God as well. You have been called by a new name, the name of God, chosen from before the foundation of this world to be blessed. And you are invited to join in blessing others. How do we do this? Well, I believe how we bless others comes first and foremost from where we look to our blessing. Do we look to our material possessions and the favor where everything feels good and right? Because if so, it will be really hard to bless others when life gets difficult. And at some point, life will get difficult. Or do we look to Jesus in whom we have every spiritual blessing? If you recall this Jesus we look to, life was not always good for him. In fact, when he suffered greatly and was in such anguish that he sweat blood and cried out, God, take this from me. Not my will, yours be done. That Jesus who suffered greatly blessed us. If we want to bless others, we have to begin each day by turning our life and our focus not to our present reality, but to the reality of a God who would enter into our suffering and lay everything down to redeem and restore and bless his children. So we look back to the cross. And there at the cross, we see this life that Jesus freely offers. Where he says, look, as I've done for you, go and do for others. As I've given everything to you, you are able to give everything to others. To bless others is to see our past not just as a season of fruitfulness where things have grown and multiplied and we look back and go, wow, if only things were like it used to be. But to see our present as God's faithfulness. God is faithful today and he will be tomorrow. So whatever the news tells you is happening, Whatever your life circumstance, when people are sick and are dying, we can still cling to this promise. God has blessed us, and he's kept us, and his favor is upon us, and he looks upon us with, uh, with favor and grace, and he gives us his peace. We are blessed, and we can look to everyone around us, whether they hurt us on purpose or not, whether they agree with us or not, whether they look like God's children or not, it does not matter. We can look to them and say, God, bless you. And we can mean it. And what if you and I as a church began to break this habit of speaking curses over others and just began to learn to bless others as we've been blessed? What if we began to just care and love as we've been loved. Imagine how much better this Sunday morning would be, and the Sunday afternoon, and the Tuesday at work with your coworkers who drive you nuts, and the Friday phone calls with your parents that you really don't want to talk to. Imagine how much better things would be if each day we woke up as those who are blessed by a God who is faithful and loving and cares about everything. You and I could be strengthened to see all the good times and all the bad times and know that God is with us. This is my hope and my prayer for you today. Will you pray with me?
God, we thank you that you have blessed us. You have looked upon us with favor. You have claimed us as your own. You have given us your name that we are children of God. That whatever we walk through, we may have peace. That we can look at those who curse us and we can ask it be done unto them as you have done unto us. That you would forgive them and make them holy and blameless. That you would heal their hurts and transform their lives. That when we desire to curse others, God, you would put in us a desire to see your blessing at work, your favor upon us. May we speak blessing over one another. And God, when our minds tempt us to shame and guilt and condemnation, may we come back to this reality that we have been blessed. It is our past and present and future reality. This is who we are. May we learn to walk in that life that we can experience the joy of your cross, the hope that in our suffering you have redeemed us and made a way for all things to be new. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. Here in this place, we believe an offering is an opportunity to partner with God and the things he's doing by using our finances to bless others. And so if you came prepared to give today and you prefer to give with cash or check, you can do so in the popcorn bucket in the back as you exit. And if you filled out one of those physical connect cards with a way we can pray for you or pray with you, or if you'd like us to contact you about something, you can drop that connect card in the bucket as well. If you came prepared to give today and you'd like to do so online, you can give at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. We've got a couple of questions, I believe, that were texted in, and I'll do my best to respond, and then I want to respond to the one about bells a few weeks ago. Okay. All right? All right, cool. Whoa. I am loud. <laughs> okay. That's what you get. Okay, so uh, this person has two questions. The first one is, where do the Advent services take place at? Parentheses, it better be the empty cup. It will not be the empty cup. It will be in here. We will have the Advent services beginning the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, uh, all the way through Christmas Eve. We will have Wednesday night services in here. There'll be a time to slow down in the middle of the week and to reflect. That first one, we're going to sing a lot of extra songs. So if you just want to immerse yourself in praise through music, we're going to do that along with the other stuff. It's going to be really great. Um, Join us Wednesday nights at 6.30. Is that right, Emily? 6.30? At thepointknox.com slash events, you can find out the time, and I will too soon, but it's going to be great. So in here, that's where it'll be. The time is on the internet. Okay, Bar Church, anytime in the future next year. If you haven't been with us in the past when we've done Bar Church, that's where we go to a bar or brewery in town, and we just play music for a long time, and some of that music is Sunday morning stuff, and some of it's not, and then we have a very short message, and then we play some more music, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, We don't have one on the schedule yet, but we have been working on getting two or three on the schedule for next year. So as soon as we get them on the schedule, I'll let you know so you can come out and join us. Very cool. Do we know how long Adam and Eve lived in paradise before the serpent tempted them? 
The short answer is no, we do not know. Uh, the long answer is it's generally held that probably less than 24 hours. Um, they probably weren't there long. But we don't actually know. That's just kind of speculation. So maybe it was a really long time. I can't imagine them living a really, really long time and uh, not having children in the garden. And we know they didn't have children in the garden. So it probably was a very short period of time. But there you go. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, the and then there, there's a question about church bells and steeples uh, as kind of a staple. And why did the churches have bells? I uh, said so I'd, I'd take some time and figure it out and get back to you. And a lot of times in, in older days, churches had bells actually for several reasons, among them being to keep time in the town, right? When everybody's farmers, they don't necessarily have watches and clocks, and so the bells would ring at a regular interval so you could know what time it was, or they would ring nine times on, uh, at nine o'clock so you knew, oh, now it's evening or morning, whatever. But they would act as a means of helping the community know not only what time it is, but also we're getting ready to gather soon, so put away your work and come gather, join us. Like, come on in and be a part of this. It's not too late. Um, in some places, they were also used, like, with fire stations. You'd ring the bells in case of emergency, and when you heard the bells ringing at an irregular time, you knew something's going on, and we need to help. Uh, if you've ever read about the Great Fire in Chicago, um, part of that happened because it was during Lent when the church refused to ring bells. They turned their bells off and stopped ringing them in Lent. And when the fire started, they wouldn't ring their bells, and that's what caused the fire to spread so much. So interesting, a little bit of history about church bells. We don't have any here, but this organ does work, and it's pretty cool. So join us on Christmas morning, and maybe you'll get some of that. Just a little heads up. Very nice. Yeah. I think that's all the questions, so I didn't see any other ones coming in. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, for those of you joining us for the Apostles' Creed class, we are going to be back upstairs in the top room today, so you're welcome to stick around after church and join us for that. Next Sunday after church, remember, we're decorating for Christmas, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so please help us with that too. Now, as you go, go with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person Every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., we pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.